Hello, welcome to 25 Cents, a video game podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Nick. Each episode we'll be talking about the games we've tried, other games we keep going back to, and what we think might be great games to check out if you've got kids. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at goodstuff.network. Hey, Nick. Welcome back. Another episode, another week, another... Whatever, another, another another fortnightly yeah. entry in our fine video game podcast. Ironically enough, there was no Fortnite being played this last couple of weeks oh. here. So. <laughs> <laughs> After I think last episode, I said how we were back into it because of the uh, meat weapons upgrades and things. Now it hasn't piqued my kids' interest for whatever reason lately. So it goes and comes back. It's fine. Yeah, so it's... it's uh... It's our one one week of spring break here, um, kind of with the way, you know, governor reopening schedule worked. We had one week of in-person hybrid school back, and then they're still doing a week of spring break, and then we go back <laughs> next week. But there's been a little bit more uh, screen time as part of that. Um, and uh, we'll, I think we'll touch on it later. The, the hall of new Apple Arcade games um, has required a number of new... Uh, parental control approvals on the on the iPad to say like yeah you can you can install that one yeah um, <laughs> yeah the Apple was nice enough to wait until just after we finished recording our previous episode exactly announce uh, like three thousand new games on Apple Arcade so before we do that though let's go to Switch Corner and like you you ran through some of the Indie World Showcase that happened just this week what what yeah so I, I watched I watched the Indie World Showcase um, you know I think uh, I, obviously. Nintendo Switch is a platform that has some first-party Nintendo stuff that's really great, you know, the Mario games and whatnot. But they seem to have a a pretty good farm of indie games. And often, as we've noted before, you know, some of the arcade games are also available on Switch, right? But this Indie World Showcase had a ton of stuff in it, uh, a number of which looked pretty ap- appealing. Again, you know, kind of that um, smaller games, but really high bar for art style, uh, throughout and, and a lot of different art styles, you know, sort of cartoon shader style, pixel art, etc. Um, so I'll just I'll rattle through real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, road ninety six was this like teen road trip, choose your own adventure kind of vibe. Uh, Aerial Knights Never Yield uh, was a kind of a side scrolling endless runner with um, that's made in Detroit and has a lot of. Uh, um, like kind of a driving hip hop soundtrack again from a local Detroit artist, so that that seemed like a cool thing. You don't you don't hear a lot about software development uh, teams in in the Midwest of the U.S. Uh, Annapurna Interactive, who is a you know an indie darling for many years, has two new ones coming: Last Stop and Hindsight. They look very artsy and story forward, but don't know much about them yet. Um, Ollie Ollie World is an endless skater side scrolling. Um, the longing looked really interesting and weird. Uh, it seems that you are a, a servant waiting for the return of your king for 400 real-time days. Whoa. So, like, there's a huge counter while you're playing that's counting down. I assume something weird happens when you actually play the game, but that's the gimmick. Um, it looks very, you know, conceptual, right, uh, for, for these kind of games. Um, there is no game had kind of a meta, you know, deconstructed vibe like what the golf where where like the parts of the game were you know things you play with as it's like falling apart um the one that jumped out at me for sort of retro nostalgia styling was teenage mutant ninja turtles shredder's revenge 
And the the developers were even quoted saying, look, we we want Turtles in Time, which I don't know if you ever played on the arcade cabinet yeah. or Super Nintendo, um, but that was a, a favorite of mine to play at Friends. And I think it, I remember playing it at Circus Pizza. It was, it was either Turtles in Time or the X-Men arcade cabinet. Uh, if there's like a birthday party at at Circus Pizza, uh, were the were the go to, because you could play four players at once, which was you know not typical for most arcade cabinets. It was those extra wide ones. Um, so that one that one looks really cool. I would definitely consider that probably a little more on the violent side for what we'd want to do with the seven year old. Uh, but that might be one for me, uh, kind of like Hades. <laughs> Um, Very cartoony though, violent, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's that that classic pixel art, yeah. you know, obviously upgraded high resolution, but in that in that early '90s uh, uh, beat 'em up style. Yeah. Um, Chris Tales is like a cartoonish looking JRPG uh, developed in Colombia. Um, mm. Getsufumaden, Undying Moon was a side scrolling fighter. Aztec Forgotten Gods uh, was developed in Mexico and and uh, is all about your. It looked like a sort of third person action, but it's all centered on uh, Aztec uh, mythology and deities, uh, which is pretty interesting. Um, Skull uh, looks like a pretty you know retro style action platformer, but you're playing as like the low level skeleton minion instead of the you know knight or whatever. So you're they're they're flipping who the good guy bad guy is on the on the head there, right. um, and then they the end of the video they just rattled through a bunch of others. So there was Art of Rally, which is like a third person racing game, Kiwi, which appeared to involve little kiwi birds dancing around on three D typewriters. Don't know what that is all about. Uh, Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective, uh, kind of looked like a Where's Waldo book come to life. Uh, Weaving Tides didn't really get a sense of that one. House of the Dead remake didn't get. I wasn't clear what that one was. And then Fez, which I didn't realize was not already out on Switch. I think I, I played the Mac version. I want to say that was originally out on Xbox, but that's got a, a very cool 3D rotate kind of time travel, space warpy kind of uh, spatial mechanic. Reminiscent, I, I think it came first, but reminiscent of Monument Valley. Um, and so some of these games are out already. Uh, some of them you can get demos. And there's a sale on on indie games um, this week, so I, I think I'm going to check a few of these out. Uh, there's some exciting stuff, and the the you know the video link is is in the show notes. And I, I think in general, you know, this is the kind of stuff that makes Switch and uh, you know iOS appealing games platforms for me. You know, I'm I'm not so interested in in the Fortnite or the latest Call of Duty or whatever, but these small um, digestible independent studio games are really interesting looking. So that's, that's my quick rundown of that. I don't know if, have you played any of the ones from this series? Or I guess none of these are, or any of these developers, if you've heard of them. Nothing really that jumps out. I mean, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one for sure in terms of the past, like the Turtles in time, but um, yeah, nothing really that jumps out. And I'm always like, I think it's the, the scarcity of time for video games where I get nervous about pulling in. uh, It's not even so much the money, although I am a cheap, gamer for sure but um the yeah the indie game where i'm gonna end up not liking the half hour that i spent but feeling obligated to to play it all the way through just because i bought it and so i'm always anxious or nervous cautious about uh nervous is a bad word but cautious about picking up a a, a game like that Mm -hmm. so but a lot yeah i love that the switch platform is enabling this kind of creativity and and exploration and especially when nintendo themselves seem to be like stuck in just regurgitating old 
very valuable, obviously, IP and very little kind of interesting stuff coming from Nintendo beyond the Mario's and like we have Mario Golf coming now and, and things like that. That or no, tennis? Which one? I think it's golf, right? Is the new one that's coming. Uh, yeah, golf was the one we we talked about a couple episodes ago. Yeah. So um but yeah, I'm I'm excited and interested to see some of these out and check them out. And and uh I set up my switch. I don't know if you did this. I set up the switch somehow at one point where I have to enter a password in order to view the store, which seemed like a good idea with kids who could just go buy things. But now every time I want to go look at the store, I have to go find my password for the store, which I made, you know, this obscure password just to keep it safe, I thought. And it often prevents me from wanting to go look at the store because it's like it's just that barrier to like, oh, I have to go find that password and type it in. <laughs> I'm sure there's a way to undo it, but we we have not run into that. I, I did not enable that. So I believe the store is technically managed under my wife's account. So mm. you always have to, you know, the way, the way multi-profiles work on the Switch, you always have to buy things as if you're her profile, even though you can play things under other profiles. Right. Um, but the Switch is basically never on without us present. Um, so we, we haven't Yet. bothered with that. You know, we, we don't do the model like we do with the, with the iPad where any new download sends the, the parental approval notification to our phones. Yeah. Um, I, I could probably look into you know that more, but again, it's it's in the living room. We're not; it's not mobile around the house, except when I take it to go play Hades sometimes <laughs> in the evening. Um, so it it just hasn't been a concern to have it locked down. Yeah. So check out the sale. It's this week right now as we record. So uh, go check out some of the indie games that are out there. A, a brief stop in PC Corner. I'll just say this last week I was I was motivated again. I think primarily out of like checking out Diablo 2 coming out, Age of Empires 3 or 4, I forget which one is the new one that's coming out or, or reissue or whatever, has me really mm-hmm. tempted on the Windows gaming platform again. And I was like, okay, this is, no, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to get a streaming gaming PC that I can use um, and I'm just going to do it. We're going to do it. And then I started looking and like video cards are still <laughs> so insane. Yeah. It's like, I saw, like I used PC Part Picker to build out a machine. And I was like, oh, this actually isn't too bad. Like using one of the custom builds suggested just like starting points. And I realized it's because the video card isn't included because you just can't find them. There's none. And and when you do, they're like $3,000 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a bunch of factors. There's there's COVID impact on mm-hmm. the, the chip fabs. So causing like hardware shortages. And then uh, for all of the higher end cards, the the money's all in Bitcoin. in crypto yeah. mining, mostly mostly Bitcoin, but not just Bitcoin. Um yeah. Because you can, you know, set up these huge clusters. I think I think the really uh intense miners have like custom ASICs, right? They're not even using GPUs, but the 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 popular way to do it is to basically, yeah, like buy up as many of those cards as you can and, and the investment because of the Bitcoin bubble pays off right away. Yeah. Now we'll get all the cryptocurrency listeners really angry. <laughs> um, but I have, uh, yeah, it's fun. It, that's a fun one. I have clients who work in that, that industry investing in it and stuff and are very excited about it. But then I also have my Twitter feed of like, yeah, the environmental impacts of Bitcoin. We, we just, yeah. So it's, it's a mess. <laughs> there's some, there's some interesting non Bitcoin ones that use other algorithms that are much less, uh, energy intensive. Um, there's proof of stake is one. And, um, some others coming. I think that's the like Ethereum too. I, I've, I've, I only follow it sort of through work from a security perspective mm. because uh, a lot of cryptocurrency shenanigans um, are, you know, well, if you can't buy a graphics card, you can 
hack into someone else's computer and use their <laughs> CPU to mine uh, cryptocurrency for you. Um, so that's a that's an area of, of concern. Yeah, active of active concern and research. That's that's, that's where I tend to encounter it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it, an interesting aside, but yeah, I think that's why you're having trouble finding graphics cards. And, and, and then I flipped the other way. I'm like, okay, well, never mind the PC. Let's just get a new one of the new Xboxes can do basically all the things too, right? The Xbox mm-hmm. Series X and stuff. And but those are also have a shortage because of uh, I forget which chip it is. There's some chip that there's a shortage on those. <laughs> Apparently, it's all the way to the like Biden is like investigating why there's. Uh, I forget which chip again, but why there's a shortage on this chip and what we need to do about it. Cause the joke obviously being that Biden wants to get a PlayStation five. So, um, but anyways, it's just, Hey, he's gotta, he's gotta get in some game time with the grandkids, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> anyways, onto uh, Apple corner where there's lots of games and there's no shortage of devices, at least that we know of yet. So yes, we're, we're still waiting on that, you know, <laughs> mythical Apple TV. I think I was listening to upgrade and they were talking about some, you know, rumored Apple TV screen soundbar thing that's like not even that's not even the device I want right I just want like an upgraded little box that plugs in and, and is maybe a little cheaper uh, but yeah there's a there's a ton of stuff now um, so in addition to dropping a bunch of new Apple Arcade originals they have two sort of new lanes in Apple Arcade so there's the App Store greats which are basically, you know, games that were um, that got maybe some Apple Design Awards or were just hugely popular on the store at one point in the past, and presumably Apple has paid the developers to refresh them and integrate them with Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, when I skimmed the list, I had previously bought eight of these already <laughs> at, as they kind of as they came out or as they were really popular, and certainly got my value out of them. But it's 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 fun to revisit them, um, and uh, you know my. My uh, my seven year old is uh, he's tried threes plus right so he's he's gotten into that's um, a great one picking that up yeah. um and then there's the the timeless classics lane which um, these appear to be sort of sort of original but it's like hey this is the best version of backgammon right like there's dozens if not hundreds of backgammon apps on the store because of course you know it's a it's a well known totally public domain, ancient game, yeah. uh, pretty easy to implement. And so I think a lot of developers build games like that because it's like a good, it's good, like learning, learning exercise. And maybe you can get a few bucks from selling it. So um, the, I think there's like backgammon and solitaire and a couple other games that are kind of like Apple saying like this, this is the, the best, cleanest, purest version yeah. <laughs> of, of this that you can play if you're, if you're on Apple Arcade. It's a little bit like they're like, you know, they'll put out, they have Apple contacts or iMovie or whatever, like their stamp, right. it, although these aren't Apple developed games, but it's almost that idea of just like, there's still going to be tons of other ones and you're welcome to them. But this is, yeah, like I said. So what I love about though, is because it's in Apple Arcade, there's no in-app purchase, there's no upsell, there's no scammy right. ads that your kids might tap on and take you off to somewhere else and any of that kind of stuff. It just makes it super clean, easy trustworthy to hand your kid the iPad or whatever and know that they're playing any of these games that are actually, you know, moderately educational as well. And at least flip your brain into a different kind of way than Fortnite does. And so I know for me, it's like the spell tower, tiny crossword plus flip flop solitaire. Those, those are a bunch of those are Zach gauge games, like the good Sudoku that we've played a lot of. I know you and I both have, um, Mm -hmm. are great for like 
when your brain won't shut off, it's 2 a.m. or whatever, you just need to do something besides think about work or whatever the stress might be and uh, and know that you can pull up a well-done game that's been tested as well as, yeah, like I said, won't get in your face about upgrades and, and spam and ads and stuff. So, Yeah, and, and uh, Zach Gage had a, a few interesting threads on Twitter about um, sort of the... I mean, I don't think he could get into a lot of it, but you know, he got into kind of what what was what was removed, right? To to make the plus version of some of these games. Um, one thing I've always liked about his games is he has kind of a common design language about like how the stats and in-app purchases and stuff work across all his games. So at least that part is familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, he did answer my question on Twitter, which was basically like, "So if I've bought your game before." And now I have it in arcade. What, which which version should I play? And there's sort of two angles to that. So one is you do lose your progress. Like the progress does not port between the two versions of the game, um, which I think makes sense for for a lot of like kind of iCloud container backend reasons, because um, uh, of how things are integrated with with probably the way he originally implemented it versus the way it's implemented in arcade. But his his response implied that. Uh, it is he has a financial incentive for people to play the plus versions, right? So mm. whatever contracts are going on, you know, we've kind of suspected from some of the other articles that have come out that arcade developers get money based on playtime. So if I've already bought uh, a game from the developer and I want to support the developer, playing the arcade version and putting time in on the arcade version helps him way more than me playing some old version of the game that I already paid for. So that, that's kind of uh, interesting. Yeah. I guess the distinction, I remember asking another uh, app developer, game developer, this too, of like when they have a $5 app for purchase and they have the free version with ads, which I, th- I think uh, Good Sudoku has ads, there's probably mm-hmm. some some level of play, depending on how much you play. The free version with ads probably could eventually make them more money than arcade maybe. I mean, I don't know what the breakdown is, but that'd be an interesting spreadsheet to have access to that we'll never have access to. <laughs> right. And and I think, I'm sure for different developers, it, it varies a lot. You know, it depends on the game and the stickiness of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm for one, I'm basically almost always going to pay for the privilege to not see ads. Um, and, and, you know, there are other games that are not on arcade that have uh, one-time in-app purchase models that, you know, I've used. I know, um, uh, what was it, Happy Color, which is one of these, you know, color in kind of coloring book, uh, oh, not really yeah. a game, but like an activity app, right? Um, and that one, you can pay once to remove most of the ads. But if you want hints, they'll still show you an ad uh, if you want to recharge your hints separate from the main uh, in-app purchase. And yeah, I, I assume at some point those that ad revenue really does add up. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of ad and tracking and, yeah, you know, who knows what garbage. else code yeah. going on in those apps. And, you know, you hear stories about apps like phoning home to Facebook, even though you never actually have to log into Facebook doing who knows what. And so again, it's that that trust factor, right? The arcade version is is clean, trustworthy, you know, definitely private, disconnect from all the other stuff. Um, and you just have to look at that new app store feature where they show you the privacy flags for every app. And you know the arcade the arcade games <laughs> say like do not connect your anonymous identifier and that's it. And then many of these other free to play style games um, just they're they're harvesting all sorts of behavioral stuff, and some of it you know does help the developer to know like where are their bugs, what parts of the game you know do people find interesting or frustrating or waste time on, and and those kind of analytics can be useful. But a lot of it is you know 
um, from from a software development perspective, when in doubt, don't collect the data, right? Because <laughs> it it's kind of like it comes with all of this radioactivity to it, right? Like it's a regulatory mess. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, so speaking of sort of IAP free to play style games, uh, some of the other new arcade original games that came out were kind of in that vibe. Um, I, I was playing Star Trek Legends for a while, and yeah, I was wondering you know, what you it's that very one. much like. Um, the Star Trek timelines that I've been playing for a while, a couple of years ago before arcade launched, where you're kind of like collecting characters and going on little missions and there's some light story, but mostly it's a, well, you can do so many missions a day and there's different kinds of missions that take, you know, generate different kinds of currency. And then you can use that currency to buy upgrades for your characters and your characters just kind of like grow over time. Um, yeah, it, it was, it's mildly fun. I, I haven't gone back to it now in a week, but, um, you know, as a big Trek fan, it's kind of, you know, like, oh, I can make my little super away team of like Commander Worf from Star Trek The Next Generation and Michael Burnham from Star Trek Discovery and Dr. McCoy from the original series, right? Like you can <laughs> do the silly uh, cross uh, property stuff. I, I know Marvel has a couple games in this vein where you can create these super team ups across all the multiverse, right? Um, so it, it can be fun. It's the non-sports ball version of like my son is doing the NHL hockey game where he like unlocked Gordie Howe and then he can play with Gretzky right. and with whoever. <laughs> it's just like they interchange the the IP for the same kind of basic idea of like cross-generational, cross-platform, cross, yeah, whatever, <laughs> cross-team, gen- yeah, play. Right. And and in terms of, you know, where my, my mind is at, you know, yes, yeah, Star Trek probably fits about the level of slot of like a really, uh, a really diehard, uh, you know, Seahawks fan or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> With phasers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's what American football or Canadian football rules need, yeah. right? More phasers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the, I saw you mentioned Oregon trail and I haven't tried it yet. I, I tried Sorry. I tried a little bit of it and was tempted to like introduce it to my kids. But again, I'm still just like, I don't want to hand my phone over to my kids. And so, uh, I'm glad to see a mm-hmm. lot of these games are working on Mac OS. I tried Wonderbox actually on Mac OS. I'll just drop down to that one for a second, but it, there is, it is playable on a modern Mac. If you have, I forget which OS is the, like probably the last couple of versions anyways of Mac OS for sure. Maybe even the latest big Sur. I, I'm not sure how recent you have to have. Um, but the controls are janky. Like it's, it's definitely like I have a touchpad, magic trackpad and as well a touchpad on my Mac, but I can't use that as a touchpad in the game. It still just treats it like a mouse. So I can't pinch and zoom like you would if I was touching my phone screen. And so then you have to have like shortcut keys to enable scrolling around the world or whatever, right. In like those isometric um, uh, worlds like Wonderbox has or whatever, where you're kind of need to a 3d world, sorry, where you need to like zoom around the world a little bit as well as control your character. Um, but it still is fun. Like it's definitely fun, but it does hit some frustrating kind of walls where either grabbing a controller would be better or, or yeah, using it on a big touchscreen iPad or whatever. So, but did you go a little further into Oregon trail beyond the, um, yeah. So I, I made it kind of to the, through the first chapter. So making it to the first fort, which I think is Fort Kearney, um, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, as the, some of the vibes of the original game. I played the original Mac version the most, not the original Apple II version. So there was a version called just the Oregon Trail, but for Mac, um, System 7 era. Uh, and that's the, probably the one I played the most. Um, I briefly tried, I think it was Oregon Trail 2, which was on CD-ROM and had like recorded actors and audio and video and stuff. That was, But it had more story and history lessons and, and less of the gameplay. 
but yeah, so you know, most of the game you're you're just kind of moving along and things are happening as you're on the trail. You know, you you encounter different events and there's stopping points where you can make different decisions. There's more branching uh, than the original game, uh, which is nice. And one of the interesting things, um, so right when you start play, um, there's this acknowledgement message that like, hey, you know, we know the history of Westward expansion in the United States. It was not fun adventure for all of the Native American peoples who were, you know, conquered for lack of a better word. Um, uh, and, and they say they had some native consultants work in the development team. And in particular, uh, you have characters from different tribes who you can have as part of your party now, or you encounter them along the, the trail and have, you know, realistic uh, historical and cultural conversations with them. So I think they're trying to integrate that um, uh, legacy in with that. And the original Oregon Trail was was one of these mech games, right? So it was the Minnesota Educational Computer Corporation, I think, which was a bizarre thing you know, by modern context, which was a state-funded software development company making these educational games. And um, I, I think they were pretty broadly popular across the U.S., but being in elementary and middle school in Minnesota, as I was, um, they were everywhere. Yeah. Right, so, so like Oregon Trail and and Number Munchers and um, uh, the Island of Doctor Quandary and all of these mech games that came out. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time on them uh, in the sort of early to mid nineties, and so it's it's fun to see kind of that legacy uh, uh, continue, um, even though I believe mech as an entity is is long gone or or just a an IP uh, holding company or whatever uh, these days. Yeah. Um, yeah, so one other little funny thing about the game, you mentioned Diablo 2 earlier. So one of the things I remember about the classic Diablo was you know, carefully arranging your weapons and items so that they still fit in the backpack. And so in this version, that's one of the things you have to do with your wagon, right? So like if you go to pick something up and it's and it's large, you can maybe like rearrange, you know, your bullets and your flowers. So there's now like a <laughs> two by three slot for that larger item to fit into. Right. Um, so that's kind of like a fun side thing uh, to it. Um, I would say so far it's harder than um, than the original in some ways. There's kind of more things that can go wrong. Um, but it also feels a little bit less uh, random, and there's more conversations that go on, which which makes sense with the scale of a game you can build uh, these days. So I would definitely uh, recommend it. Um, the one that I saw that looks fun that I haven't tried yet either is the Song Pop Party. And I know you mentioned here that you, you've tried that or your dad has tried it anyways. <laughs> um, and it's... That's like the karaoke one, or is it like picking a song trivia? Yeah, it's it's picking it's recognizing song oh, okay. trivia. So my my dad has not played the arcade one, but he's been a longtime player of like the web version of Song Pop, which has been around for a long time. Um, and yeah, and you you basically you know in, in each round you might be picking a particular category, right? So like '90s rock, let's say. Um, uh, I don't think there's by artist, so there's not a there's not a U two one that I saw for you, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it'll it'll start playing a clip of a song, and you have a choice of four, and you know, fastest to respond correctly gets the most points, and then it's whoever has accumulated the most points over the course of like ten or twelve uh, songs. And the an interesting side thing, being an arcade game and on Apple platforms, is at the end of the round you see the all the songs that were covered, and if you tap any of them, it jumps straight into Apple oh, Music for yeah, you. Smart. So there's an interesting uh, cross-service. I, I don't, since we have Apple One, I don't know what happens if you tap and don't have Apple Music. Presumably you get the, hey, why don't you sign up for Apple Music and listen to this song? Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, and it's the kind of trivia game that's fun. You know, there's basically certain songs I've never heard from certain eras and uh, uh, certain eras that I'm better at and other songs where, yeah, I can, I can tap the right answer within a second. Yeah. Um, so it, it varies a lot and I'm not a super uh, music aficionado, but it's, it's kind of fun and you can play alone against the computer or, um, with a group of friends or with a random group online. So there's a, there's a variety there. Group of friends locally with each on their own device, or is there a way to do multiplayer on single device? It looked like each on your own device. So the same multiplayer limitation right. for, for all of, uh, arcade yeah. where you, where you have to connect online to the back end to, to play multiplayer. Right. Yeah. Um, I did run into some weird bugs and crashes. I don't know if those have been resolved already in the post 1.0 uh, version. One thing I'll say, just going circling back to Wonderbox before we move on, maybe is the uh, it's a neat little game to try out for sure. I think like your kids would love it. It's very friendly, kid friendly. It's beautiful to look at, um, and kind of small, bite sized little puzzle worlds to to figure out. Um, and then also a really powerful, at least at first glance, world builder tool that's built inside of it as well. And mm-hmm. and then the mechanics to share that world with other people around the real world and rate them and things like that. And so I could totally see if I let my kids have a morning with it or whatever, and I, we might, but like where they could just build and have fun doing that. It's like a little bit Minecrafty in that sense, but, um, way more colorful, way more, I don't know, just good, nice looking, (laughs) uh, world to build. And then you can build puzzles for your friends and share it and and things like that and try to trap each other or whatever in, in the world and figure, see if you can defeat each other's world. Yeah. So that, that's where my son has spent the most time with it is just building. Um, so he's, he's made a couple of, of puzzles, uh, for me and, uh, you know, his, his level design is, is usually kind of like a whole bunch of one thing, uh, is fun for him. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of tricky platforming. Um, but as I've discovered, you know, he'll be like, Oh, watch out. Oh, you fell. There's no way out of that water. You're just going to drown. So start over <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Right. Um, but yeah, he's he's enjoyed building things. Um, I don't believe there's a way for him to share because he has the like restricted thirteen and under um, right uh, iCloud uh, Apple ID. But once 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 you once you're not on a child ID, you can you can do the level sharing. I was trying to think level. of a way, like just like what can they open up? And I'm sure somebody can figure out a way to do. Like I mean, you could draw something gross, I guess, or whatever in the world, and that could be like haha sharing. But it is very difficult to do anything too gross, obscene, whatever in right. terms of the sharing and, and things like that. But I mean, people find a way, obviously. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm 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 remembering was it was it spore? Like yeah. everyone was was racing to create, you know, phallic aliens yeah. <laughs> because that was hilarious. <laughs> exactly. So what about in the in the safer world of of non virtual physical games that have the parts they come with and nothing more? <laughs> I was gonna, that's a good transition. I was going to go with more. What speaking of phallic games, you can play at home. <laughs> Checkers and chess has made a return. Yeah. Luckily, my kids are not in that mindset. But um, yeah, that for some reason they pulled out the board chess checkerboard that we have and have been. Uh, playing that and that's been a fun little evening activity that doesn't you know require a bunch of setup obviously and is pretty easy to run through and we are trying different rules out and different ways of playing just to sort of experiment mm-hmm. with it and my youngest likes to uh she's very competitive hates losing and thinks still maybe it's the youngest child things thinks that people should take it easy on her and i i sort of do but we kind of like are okay with her you know, learning a little bit about not winning everything too, 
And so, uh, anyways, it's been fun to do that and, uh, and yeah, teach them a bit of strategy there. And then we also signed up for right. board game arena. I tried just this week cause just kind of like we're heading back into actually a lockdown here kind of phase and just figuring we're not even going to really be able to hang out outside much at all this time, even though, though the weather's warmer. And so figuring out a way for our, our kids to play with friends uh, or grandparents, uh, and, and so, yeah, try, tried a few games of board game arena. We tried, I mean, they immediately, they ran to chess and checkers, <laughs> just playing with each other inside the same house. I was like, no, we're not using a screen to play checkers when we can just pull up the right. But Yeah, but that's bad, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. But uh, then uh, I forget which Alhambra we tried, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, we tried it. We have a game going with that and, uh, and figuring out. And then the free one, the bird, bird, up, bird, quit up or something. I forget what it's called. Um, it's a free game that's been developed that's on board game arena. Actually, it was pretty fun. We, we figured out that like, it's a card game sort of with birds on the, on the face faces. Oh, I haven't, I haven't tried that one. And uh, they liked it enough to, to try it. I mean, it was just the three of us inside the house here playing it, but um, they liked it enough. It was a fun, fun enough strategy of trying to collect your flock and, and things like that. But, um, but yeah, now we're going to. Tr- and, and how did, how did online play with the grandparents go? That we haven't tried yet. I, I'm hoping to okay. do that now this week here and or this weekend anyways at some point. Just It's the like apprehension about sending someone a link and having them, their remote, they're far, far away. And so whether they can figure out how to set it all up. I was a little surprised surprised at the like gamification and uh, what's the word, the like marketing word for like user growth. But the the way that the game, the app or the site encourages you for like, oh, you invited someone and then a little while later, you're like, oh, Kevin, you invited, but he hasn't played. Do you want to encourage him to play? And like the, the sort of like user growth hacking. Yeah. Uh, was that gr- growth, growth, growth hacking? hacking right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. stuff. And you can like, there's a link to, you know, stop sending me these emails or whatever. I just kind of like, it felt like one of those sites that was like from 1993 where it just hasn't been updated and you wouldn't, I didn't expect some of those kind of like things and like the little pop-up rewards gamification of like, yeah, inviting a friend, you get a trophy. And if you play your first game, you get a trophy and, uh, it works really well for my brain sometimes. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know uh, I am often achievement driven, and and have certainly in in my board game arena time, it's like, oh, I can get another trophy for playing more Race for the Galaxy or something is <laughs> is fun. And I think I think a lot of it, and you know, this goes to the sort of multiplayer experience in arcade games, right? Is making sure that there is a significant enough pool of players so that if you want to play a particular game on BGA, you're not going to be sitting and waiting in a queue because there's literally no one else playing that game. Right. Right. Um, so, so making sure that that, that pool is there to make it sustainable and fun. Whereas like I've said with some of the arcade games, especially the ones that were less popular or less fun, you, you go into the multiplayer queue and no, literally no one worldwide is seems yeah. to be playing that yeah. game. Yeah. I hope with this late, like that latest batch of games they've added that I, I would assume that's going to bring in a bunch of folks that wouldn't have otherwise, like if you go to play solitaire and you're like, Oh, there's a solitaire. Oh, it's only five bucks. And then I get all these other games or whatever. Then it feels like an easy upgrade right. sell for a lot of those casual gamers that wouldn't have been into seeing whatever, uh, wonder box or something like that come along, which does appeal to the gamer crowd. But, uh, yeah. So, um, anyways, I got to go make lunch. I just realized the time here and, uh, we we're probably due to end the episode anyways. So yes, I think, I think we've covered a lot, but it's uh, always good to talk all the fun indie games that are out there yeah. uh, or, or casual games or, you know, games for players of all types, except the ones who need really fancy graphics cards for their yeah, exactly. Bitcoin mining. <laughs> Curse you Bitcoiners. But uh, anyways, thanks for listening to 25 cents, a video game podcast. You can find me on Twitter at iChris and let me know when you find a uh, cheap video card. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can find me on Twitter and almost everywhere else as UltraNerd. That's N-U-R-D. And you can find 25 cents wherever you listen to podcasts, of course. And be sure to check out the Good Stuff Patreon, patreon.com slash goodstuff for more good stuff. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.